from the studios of Postscript Media and Canary Media. If you have an electric vehicle on order, it's totally possible you could see a delay in delivery. And that's not just because of the weirdness that COVID created in supply chains. It could be because of drought. In August, Chinese authorities slashed power supply in Sichuan province, hitting Tesla, Toyota, Volkswagen, and CATL, one of the biggest producers of lithium-ion batteries for cars. Automakers are warning about continued supply constraints for EVs if these power cuts continue, and they might. These blackouts are a direct result of China's scorching heat and severe drought that are crippling hydropower plants. California is facing the same situation. It just narrowly escaped blackouts in a recent heat wave. California just can't rely on hydropower like it used to, thanks to a mega drought unlike anything we've seen in 1,200 years. And the historic drought, thanks to historic heat, is spreading everywhere. One-third of the world is currently facing water stress. The Horn of Africa is in the middle of a devastating drought, displacing millions of people and putting tens of millions at risk of famine. Two-thirds of Europe is currently under some kind of drought warning, making it the worst in 500 years in that region. It's caused shipping traffic to halt on key water routes. The UN estimates that drought frequency has increased by a third since the year 2000, and, well, it's only getting worse. The ongoing drought has consequences for food security, manufacturing, energy production, and health. And as I've been watching this play out, another story caught my eye about how drought intersects with human history. Drought is is really changing our landscapes. You know, it's changing the way that we interact with one another and the way that we interact with our histories. That is Darna Noor. She's a digital producer and reporter covering climate at the Boston Globe. And recently she started seeing an unusual pattern of stories popping up around the world. Now we look at an unexpected result of climate change and drought. As the water recedes, some of the world's forgotten histories are being revealed. And I started to see stories uh, from all over the world, from, you know, China, from uh, the West here in the U.S., from Italy, of uh, pieces of history that were sort of being unearthed as drought was drying up waterways and leaving them parched. In Italy, the remains of an ancient bridge have appeared in Rome's River Tiber. It's believed to be from the reign of Emperor Nero. On the dwindling Danube River, near the Serbian port of Prahovo, dozens of Nazi warships are seeing their first daylight since they were sunk during World War II. Closer to home, dry conditions across the western U.S. have pushed Nevada's Lake Mead to dangerously low levels and brought to light a host of items, everything from sunken boats to the more grim discovery of human remains. Dead bodies, lost cities, even dinosaur tracks, all revealed as the drought causes reservoirs and rivers to evaporate. So Darna wrote a piece about some of these lost relics emerging around the world. The poetry here is sort of not lost on me. You know, it's uh, the drought is revealing so many sort of tragic and beautiful parts of human history. um, And also, you know, of course, revealing so many things about what we as a society right now need to to change in order to have a, a sustainable and livable future. This is The Carbon Copy. I'm Stephen Lacey. This week, we're talking about the unexpected consequence of drought, how it's revealing secrets previously lost beneath the waterline, and how we can understand these relics in the context of the water stress spreading across the globe. The entire solar industry rests, both literally and figuratively, on a vulnerable material. That material is aluminum. It is one of the most carbon-intensive metals, with the bulk of its supply originating in China. But what if module frames made from domestic recycled steel replaced it? 
On May 30th, Latitude Media and Origami Solar will host a Frontier Forum that explores what would happen if the U.S. solar industry shifted from aluminum to recycled steel. We'll explore the impact on supply chains, costs, technical performance, and carbon emissions. This is a must-attend for anyone who cares about the domestic solar industry. Register for free by clicking the link in the show notes or go to latitudemedia.com events. Right before we hopped on this call, I pulled up a global drought monitor map, and I am looking at a bunch of deep, deep red across the Western U.S., Europe, parts of Asia, the Horn of Africa. How bad has this year been for water stress? God, I mean, I think in two ways, it's just been astoundingly bad. One of them is, as you're saying, just the sheer number of places that are affected by drought. Um, You know, in the U.S. here, um, in the West, we're seeing historic levels of mega drought. Scientists are saying that it's the worst uh, that the Western United States has seen in, um, you know, over a thousand years. Um, then there's the drought that's affecting places like the Horn of Africa, which is kind of unleashing this horrific levels of famine. Um, again, you know, longstanding. Um, we're also seeing drought in places like China, um, which has been going through a historic heat wave, just, you know, heat wave unlike anything that's been seen in other parts of the world. Um, then there's also drought in Italy and uh, Spain and other parts of Europe. So, you know, in that way, it's just much worse than uh, than I think even what we were seeing just uh, just a few years ago. So one of these stories that really captured my attention played out in Texas. We are about an hour outside of Fort Worth, Texas this morning, and I want you to take a look at this. These are dinosaur prints that scientists say are more than 100 million years old, and usually they're underwater and filled with sediment. But this morning, you can clearly see them, and they go on for more than 300 yards down this river here. And the extreme drought conditions, not only here in the U.S., but across the globe, are leading to some extraordinary discoveries. I'm looking at a picture right now of this riverbed in Texas with giant footprints. What am I looking at? Yeah, so this was a pretty wild um, instance of dinosaur footprints uh, being revealed because of drought in in Glen Rose, Texas. Um, so, you know, at a pretty appropriate place, uh, Dinosaur Valley State Park, which is a state park that's known for uh, its dinosaur footprints. Um, there, you know, just thousands of tracks were unveiled. Um, you know, some of them were for the, from this carnivorous um, sort of three-toed dinosaur. Um, there were other ones from this really tall um, dinosaur called the Sora Poseidon, which is the tallest dinosaur species known to man. Um, and, you know, it, it's really interesting because this there was sort of an outpouring of, of interest from a bunch of amateurs and professionals who kind of came out to examine the tracks, see what they could learn about the, the creatures that, that made those tracks, um, you know, however many, <laughs> uh, 110 or so million years ago. Um, and pretty quickly, uh, the tracks were mercifully filled with water again um, as, you know, Texas received some much-needed rain. Um, but all of the sort of climate models show that this is not going to be the last uh, severe drought in that part of the world, um, far from it. And uh, so I think we can expect that a lot more dinosaur tracks will be unveiled at that park in, uh, in coming years. The other major story that got picked up here in the U.S. by a lot of national outlets was uh, the, the bodies that have been found as water recedes at Lake Mead. 
Tonight, a mystery deepening in Nevada with human remains discovered at Lake Mead four times since May. Authorities say the finds are still under investigation, but among locals, questions about ties to Sin City's notoriously violent mafia mount. Now, Lake Mead is this giant reservoir formed by the Hoover Dam along the Colorado River. That's right. Um, it serves a variety of states, and it has just dropped precipitously. It all started May 1st, when boaters on the Las Vegas area reservoir discovered a body in a barrel, with authorities say a gunshot wound to the head. They added the victim wore outdated clothes, likely killed in the 70s or 80s. In fact, right before this call, I just wanted to see if anything else popped up, and there is a fresh news story uh, about another body found in a car at Lake Mead. So there are there are there are bodies emerging that have been there for decades. Tell me about this story. Yeah. So with this uh, with this new uh, emergence, it seems like there's been uh, more than five separate occasions since May, where uh, folks have, as you said. Um, found human bodies, human cadavers, um, you know, sort of scattered around Lake Mead. Um, so, you know, in early May, park rangers who were sort of patrolling around uh, Lake Mead found human remains in a barrel. Um, and after some investigations, um, it looks like the police ruled that those came from a man who was killed by gunshot. They were able to trace who the, the body likely belonged to. Um, you know, then there were, was another really awful instance where two sisters were sort of hiking around the park, having a lovely day uh, in early May. Um, you know, they came upon a human skeleton that later was found to be the remains of a middle-aged man who just went out for a swim. Uh, really grisly stuff. You know, there's been a couple of other instances. Um, there was another discovery in July. Um, there was, you know, folks who found uh, more skeletal remains early in August, in mid-August. Um, pretty, pretty gruesome stuff. There's, uh, you know, uh, quite a few secrets, it seems, hidden in this uh, really crucial, crucial, uh, like... Are you interested in collaborating on a true crime climate mashup podcast sometime? Oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. I totally had the same exact thought. And it's it's pretty wild to see, you know, the, the sheer number of uh of bodies that are being found around uh around Lake Mead. It kind of makes you wonder what would be found uh if if other other waterways were experiencing the same levels of drought and uh, and what will be revealed uh, in the future as drought uh, progresses and gets even worse. Yeah, so going over to China, the Yangtze River levels have dropped precipitously. China is going through a historic drought right now. China's Yangtze River is at its lowest level since records began there. The receding river has uncovered the base of a 700-year-old temple that normally appears to float on the water, and a trio of 600-year-old Buddhist statues that were once submerged. And we saw these 600-year-old Buddhist statues being revealed. Tell me about that story, and why is the river so low? Right now. Yeah, so the Yangtze River is the third longest river in the world. It's a really crucial river culturally, um, as in terms of being a water source, uh, a source of uh, water for hydropower, um, you know, many other uses. And, uh, you know, China went through um, a heat wave that was unlike anything that has been seen in history. Um, in Earth's history before, you know, just in terms of uh, the the amount of land that it was affecting, just a huge swath of China was 
um, seeing these ridiculously high temperatures. Um, records were being broken in, in regions only to be broken again just, you know, days later or hours later in some cases. Um, and of course, you know, I'm sure uh, listeners know this, but uh, heat is a really huge exacerbating factor for drought. Um, you know, as uh, the earth gets hotter, it's, uh, it can mean that more water is kind of sucked out of the ground, um, can leave the ground really thirsty, can leave waterways much, much lower. Um, and, you know, the Yangtze River is no exception. Uh, obviously, there's tons of, you know, pretty incredible ancient history um, around this river, which has been, again, a sort of cultural touchstone for hundreds of years. Um, and so these three 600-year-old Buddhist statues um, and some other relics also were sort of temporarily revealed um, by these uh, low water levels. Interestingly, these actually, you know, as drought becomes more common, we're seeing some of these things kind of pop up again and again. So, um, some of these statues actually appeared um, in 2020 when there were also low water levels in the Yangtze River, um, kind of were submerged again when the rains came. And then this year, of course, they were revealed once again. Mark your calendars for May 30th at 1 p.m. Eastern. That's when Latitude Media and Origami Solar will unveil new research on how recycled steel can help reinvigorate the U.S. solar industry. Why recycled steel? Well, the solar industry is dependent on imported aluminum for frames, leaving it vulnerable to geopolitics, supply disruptions, and higher-cost transportation. By switching from aluminum to recycled steel, solar producers can reduce greenhouse gas emissions and qualify for IRA domestic content incentives. Have questions about the shift to steel and the impact on supply chains? Join Latitude Media's Stephen Lacey, Origami Solar CEO Greg Patterson, and American Clean Power's MJ Shao for this live virtual event. Again, it's May 30th at 1 p.m. Eastern. Register for free at latitudemedia.com slash events, or click the link in the show notes. As much as I was fascinated by all these stories of lost statues, dinosaur tracks, bodies in barrels— I was also kind of distressed because these are almost apocalyptic signs of what's coming for our planet's water-insecure future. So how can we reconcile that fascination and distress? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, even writing uh, this story, I, it occurred to me that, you know, I could be contributing to a trend that I find to be really dangerous, wherein, you know, climate disasters are covered as these sort of marvels, um, you know, as these uh, unbelievable events that nobody could have ever seen happened. And, oh my gosh, look at these incredible relics that were unearthed by um, these droughts that nobody ever could have predicted. Um, but of course, you know, first of all, many climate scientists have predicted this level of drought in many parts of the world for decades. Um, it should come as no surprise that we're seeing these kinds of droughts. And also, you know, seeing bits of human history revealed to us can be really cool. You know, seeing an ancient city revealed can be really amazing. Um, you know, a family getting to sort of have closure about um, a member of their family who died at Lake Mead can be can be great for them. But ultimately, this is a sign of a really, really scary climate future. You know, the kinds of droughts that we're seeing um, that we're that we're seeing revealed these kinds of relics um, are also wreaking havoc across the world. You know, in terms of 
uh, limiting people's access to drinking water, limiting um, access to hydropower, electricity, um, you know, forcing people to, in some cases, migrate away from um, from their places of of, uh, of residence, um, you know, threatening crops in the ground uh, and threatening famine in many parts of the world. Um, so while in some cases these are really cool stories, um, they are also stories that uh, bode really, really horribly for, for the future. Do you think that there's there could also be some positive impacts on people's psychology as they read this story? And and there's this is really tangible. It's a tangible impact when they see these changes unfold. Um, is this a way to make drought water stress real for people? Totally. I hope so. And I think ultimately that's why I decided that this was the right story to write, um, you know, despite my sort of concerns. Seeing the way that drought is kind of before our eyes, transforming landscapes in these sort of unimaginable ways, you know, revealing parts of history that haven't been seen in thousands or sometimes millions of years, um, I think is really impactful for people who might kind of struggle to, to connect the big picture um, climate science and statistics with their reality. The other thing is, I think it's just, it's really incredible to see this happening in so many different parts of the world at the same time, you know, seeing that this is not only an issue for instance, that's affecting uh, the U.S. West or an issue that's only affecting the Horn of Africa or only Europe or only China, but instead seeing that this is a trend, you know, a trend that has measurable effects um, that are obviously very different, but but have some key similarities in many parts of the world um, it is really, I think, uh, remarkable. And, and I hope that it helps drive home the urgency of this issue for, for a lot of people. One of the things that astonishes me about this story, and it's a reason why we're talking to you, and I think the reason why you wrote this story, is that this is happening simultaneously all over the globe. It's not a one-off story. Absolutely. Uh, some of these relics were previously uncovered, and then they're being uh, you know, uncovered really quickly, again, year after year. And it's happening in the Western U.S., it's happening in Asia, it's happening in the Middle East, it's happening in uh, Europe. I mean, it's it just shows how severe this drought is almost everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree. I think that, you know, seeing in some ways just the the struggle that's kind of shared across the world um, as so many millions of people, frankly, are grappling with the same issues um, can be really, really powerful. And I hope that that also catalyzes, um, you know, some sort of communication across regions where people are, you know, trying to hold, uh, you know, officials and, and government leaders, et cetera, accountable for failing to prepare properly for drought. Um, people can share the solutions that might be working for them in terms of how to secure things like drinking water or water for crops. Um, and, you know, I, I also just sort of hope that we can recognize our shared humanity here. You know, I hope that a person in the West can sort of look across uh, the pond and say, oh, well, of course, you know, I care about this issue that's affecting people in uh, Europe or China or the Horn of Africa because I know how deeply it's affecting me here on, uh, on home soil. Darna Noor is a reporter and producer at the Boston Globe. Thank you so much. Thank you. Any any guesses on what else you think will get uncovered this year? Bigfoot, Lost City of Atlantis. Yeah, the Lost City of Atlantis. Um, you know, keeping keeping an eye out for any uh, sightings of the Loch Ness monster, maybe being uncovered by receding water levels in Scotland. Yeah, I think we've got a good uh, documentary idea for for a History Channel. So totally. 
The Carbon Copy is a co-production of Postscript Media and Canary Media. Check out all our episodes at Canary Media. Sign up for their newsletter. You'll get the podcast there. You'll get lots of great news from journalists. This episode was produced by Alexandria Herr. Ann Bailey is our editor. Sean Marquand and Greg Vilfrank are our engineers. Original music came from Echo Finch and Blue Dot Sessions. Postscript Media is supported by Prelude Ventures. Prelude's a venture capital firm that partners with entrepreneurs to address climate change across a range of sectors. Advanced energy, food and agriculture, transportation and logistics, advanced materials and manufacturing, and advanced computing. Uh, Thanks for supporting the show. You can do more by giving us a rating and review on Apple or Spotify. We ask every week because, yeah, it matters. And uh, we're really grateful for the support. So go ahead and um, give us a rating and review. Send us your thoughts on social media. And if you've got someone in your life who would like this show, send them a link. I'm Stephen Lacey. This is The Carbon Copy. We'll catch you next week.